Well, welcome to the Ethan Callison Sermons Podcast. Today we have a guest speaker, Matt Davinsky, our student director here at Fellowship Community Church North Campus. And man, he is bringing such a timely message out of Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through 12. This message is called Loving Hard. It's part of our series, Galatians Part 2, Faith versus Work here at Fellowship. But man, it is so timely as we look at cancel culture. How do we rebuke people and love them and point them to Jesus. So here's what I would love for you to do. As you listen, if this message makes a profound impact in your life, would you please let us know? We would love to hear from you. You can just leave a rating and review on this podcast and then also to share with your family and friends uh, that that maybe this message could change their life. Uh, We would love to hear from you on that. Um, But without further ado, here is Loving Hard by Matt Novinsky. Hey, this morning, before we begin here, as you guys are aware, it's student takeover. And we have a lot of students here this morning serving. We are so excited to do that here. I want to take a second uh, just to recognize our student leaders. Um, We have volunteers that serve each and every Sunday that you may never get a chance to see and you may never get a chance to know um, what goes on in uh, their lives and uh, in their commitment to our student ministry. So first this morning, um, I want to recognize our student leaders. So we have Jim. Um, in the back at the sound booth there. Jen has been serving as a student leader long before I came on here. We also have Jay Greenway, who's also over that side, uh, sitting down. And uh, Jen and Jay both lead life groups with their students. We also have Jake uh, Linville, who is actually going to be here at 11 a.m. Um, he's the one that was taking pictures at our uh, skate night. Some of you guys were like, Matt, who's this guy taking pictures of my kids? That's actually Jake, so no worries there. Everything's good. (laughs) And uh, we also um, have Jason Roth, who uh, did our prayer already. But Jason has, um, we call him our band facilitator. And he's done a great job um, with our student band and the insight he's provided each and every week when we rehearse. Um, This takes commitment. This takes time um, out of our leaders' lives, and they they come to Epic because they want to be here. They want to invest in our students. Um, Real quick, I also want to say thank you to Scott Allen and John Obenchain, who also helped out a ton um, at rehearsals this past Thursday. So uh, give them a round of applause as well. All right. Well, we are in Galatians 4, verses 8 through 20. That's Galatians 4, verses 8 through 20. So uh, I remember being a senior in high school, and I I had a teacher that was just really, really big on making sure that we went to college. And I didn't really really want to go to college. I wanted to be in a touring rock band, so uh, I didn't really care about going to college. My parents were going to make me go to college, but I didn't really, you know, I wasn't really on track. And I had a teacher that one day in class, she made us sit down and say uh, where we were planning on going to school or what job we wanted to have. And... uh, I remember sitting there like, uh, I don't know where I want to go to school. And uh, she's like, that's okay, because we're, we're here to help you get there. And one of the ways that she helped us prepare for college not only was um, giving us a chance to apply and kind of giving us that kick that we needed to take those steps to get on track, but she taught us some hard lessons that we needed to learn before going to college. There was one instance in particular where uh, I didn't put my name on my paper. It was a pretty, pretty simple mistake. I thought that I did pretty good on the paper. And I remember there's a couple other students that did the same thing. And our teacher, instead of saying, hey, this is okay, she docked us heavily on 
not putting our name on our paper. I actually got a D on the paper just for not putting my name. I'm like, hold on a second. Like, the paper's pretty good. Like, I just didn't put my name. And when you're in high school and you have a class of 20 people, it's easy to figure out who the missing papers belong to. But when you're in college and there's 200 people, when you don't put your name on your work, it's a little bit of a different story. So she docked us heavily, and I remember what she told us. I'll never forget this. I've always taken it with me. She said, I know that this is a big hit for you guys, but here's the thing. You'll never make this mistake again. You'll never make it again. And what she meant by that was this uh, punishment or uh, whatever you want, this learning experience is so severe that you will remember this and you won't do it again. And she didn't do that because she was being mean. She didn't do that because she was mad at us. As a matter of fact, she did it because she cared. She did it because she wanted us to learn, even though it was hard, so that we could learn from it and move on and better ourselves. It was an example of what I would call hard love. Okay, we have hard love uh, maybe in your family, maybe with your, your student, maybe with your child. Sometimes we have to uh, teach hard love at home. We discipline sometimes because, because we care. It's not because you want to be mean parents, or it's not because your parents are mean, but it's because they, they genuinely care, and they want us to learn. So this morning, we're going to talk about hard love. We're going to talk about speaking the truth in love, but we're also going to talk about the need to receive the truth, the need to be open and willing and humble enough to receive the truth that somebody else may give us. And that's what Paul is doing here in Galatians 4. In the previous few chapters, Paul is straightening out some theological issues that the Galatians have, but there's a shift here in the text. Here in the text, Paul instead, he changes his focus towards uh, a little bit more of a rebuke to how the Galatians have been living and, and how they've been believing. And he's going to rebuke them not out of, not out of um, anger or spite, but because he cares in a very similar way um, as, as the teacher that I mentioned. So here in Galatians, um, this is uh, 8 through 20, and Paul is going to give us uh, three action steps here that we can apply to our lives here in Galatians. Here's the first one, really simple. Don't go backwards. Don't go backwards. Look at what the text says here in uh, verses 8 through 11. It says, however, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature were not gods. But now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles to which you want to be enslaved all over again? You meticulously observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. So what Paul is doing here, he's calling attention to the beliefs that the Galatians have went back to or reverted back to. And there's a lot of different beliefs going on um, in, in Galatia around that time here. Uh, there's some Roman, possible Roman influence, um, Greece influence. We, uh, we know that from last week when, when Kevin mentioned that um, there was uh, people in Greek, Greece culture, they would put beliefs in the elementary particles of the world. So they would see the sun or the water and assume that there was a God of the sun, a God of the water, um, that type of scenario. Whatever the case may be here, the Galatians were putting their faith in something other than Christ. They were reverting back to things that they were redeemed from. And notice the language here. Paul says that you're, you're going back to the weak and worthless elementary principles. 
that you want to be enslaved again all over by. When I, when I think of this passage, I think of slavery in America. I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to read some of the accounts of uh, people that were able to escape the South and make it into the North. One of those is Frederick Douglass. If you ever get a chance to read his account, it's a very, very good read. Frederick Douglass, though, he, he attempted to escape and was caught and eventually escaped and made it to the free land. And none of us know what that's like. None of us know what it's like truly to belong to an owner who tells us where we're going, what we're going to do, who beats us when we've done wrong, or maybe even beats us when we've done good. None of us know what that's like. We can only try and picture that. But could you imagine the feeling of victory when you finally get to the refuge? Could you imagine escaping slavery and making it to the free land for the rest of your life? Would you want to go back to slavery? I don't think so. Here's a quote from Harriet Tubman. She says this about slavery. She says, now I've been free. I know what a dreadful condition slavery is. I have seen hundreds of escaped slaves, but I never saw one who was willing to go back and be a slave. So true slaves here, according to Harriet Tubman, would never want to go back to be a slave. But here's, here's the reality. We as believers, we're spiritually enslaved to sin and death. We belonged to the power of sin. Jesus came along and through the cross, he freed us from belonging to sin and we belong to him now. We have the freedom and the victory over sin through Jesus. But unlike the escaped slaves, we have a tendency to want to go back to the chains that we were freed from. When I think of this, I, I think of handcuffs. I, I picture myself wearing handcuffs and I, I picture them taken off. And I picture me trying to put them back on but they won't go back on because I'm freed, but I want to be back in the chains. And that really puts it in perspective when we think of it that way. The reality is we go back to things oftentimes in our spiritual walk. We go back to things other than Jesus. Have you ever thought about why we do that? That's a good question. You ever thought about Maybe you don't have an answer. A couple possible answers. One, Maybe we're, we're prone to sin, and even through our redemption, we have a tendency to need our redemption every day. Or, or maybe, here's what it is, we're made to worship. You and I, all of us, regardless of what we believe, we were created in God's image and made for the purpose of worship. If we don't worship God, we will, by default, worship something else. We go to these things, these are called idols, and these are things that we put over our relationship with God. They can, they can be bad things. They can, they can even be good things, things that are not inherently wrong. But when we put them over our relationship with God, it becomes an idol. This is what uh, the scripture says about idolatry in Proverbs 14, 14. It says, the backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways, but a good man will be satisfied from above. So what this tells us is we can truly only get our satisfaction from God. We're made to worship, and when we worship those other things, they can't satisfy in the way that only God can. Charles Spurgeon says this, nothing teaches us about the preciousness of the Creator as much as when we learn the emptiness of everything else. If you and I are made to worship God, and we try to worship something else, we do that usually for one or two reasons. One, it's fun, or two, it gives us an escape. A lot of times we go back to something because we, we want a quick fix. We want an escape. 
And it, some of those things can take us out of our problems temporarily. But idols can give us a false illusion of escape, but no true power of redemption. Maybe for you that's alcohol. Maybe you go back to alcohol. You can't shake the habit. And maybe it takes you out of that problem, that pain that you have, but it doesn't give you the redemption. It doesn't give you the power that Christ has. That problem is still there the next day. It's still dealt with. Maybe, maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's something good. Maybe it's a Netflix binge, right? Maybe you want to dive in to Netflix to escape all the other stuff. And it's fun, but it doesn't, it doesn't fix the problem. It doesn't break the model. Only the redemption that Christ provides can do that for us. So Paul says here, why are you going back to these worthless things that have no power when you have the hope of Christ? And he ends this by even saying in verse 11, I feel for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. So he says, maybe, maybe it was just, maybe this is all in vain. Maybe this is all for nothing. And as I read that, I think about some of our situations here this morning at North Campus. Because some of us can relate to Paul here in this passage. Some of us have a son. Maybe he's a grown man. Maybe he lives far away. Maybe he's near. But maybe he's walked away from the faith that you spent your entire life with your spouse trying to raise your son in. Or maybe it's a friend at work. Maybe it's somebody that you know is going through a tough time. You know that you've got the answer. You know that this could, this could help. This could be the solution. But they, just, they won't embrace it. And maybe you think, man, this is, this is all for nothing. And maybe it's yourself even. Maybe you feel like this morning, you've gone so far away from where you've used, you used to be. And you, you feel far from God. You feel far from the redemption. Whatever the case may be, listen, here's the good news. Paul is writing this letter because God was not done with the Galatians. Paul was writing this letter because God wanted to call the Galatians out of where they are back into a relationship with him. Whatever the case may be for your situation, that person that's coming to mind, if they're alive, God can still do things. God is not powerless. Just because it looks like hope is lost does not mean it's lost. And look, Paul is reaching out because he doesn't want it to be lost. You still have an opportunity to reach out to that person. You still have an opportunity to be the gospel influence in that person's life. So this morning, take hope in that. Think on that. Ask, ask God what you need to do in that person's life. And you know what? Maybe it's just prayer. Maybe you've tried everything. But don't give up on the hope that God can reach someone. Paul, the author of this, was a former Pharisee and a, a person that was on his way to jail and kill Christians. Look what God did with him. That person that you're thinking of, look, they're not beyond the reach of God. They're not. So this morning Paul calls us here in the scripture, not to go backwards. But he's also going to tell us to do something else. He's also going to tell us to return to where we belong. He's going to tell us to remember who you are, or more importantly, to remember whose you are. He tells us here, and this is a second action step, that we need to care for God's family. 
Verse 12 here, it says this, I beg of you, brothers and sisters, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You have done me no wrong, but you know that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time. And you did not despise that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, nor express contempt, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. Where then is that sense of blessing you had? For I testify about you that if possible, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. So Paul is recalling his previous time spent with the Galatians. And he says, man, at one point we were on the same team. And he said, at one point I had, a, I had like a hindrance. I had a bodily hindrance. We think that was probably Paul's eyesight because of what he mentions with the eyes. But he says, hey, you guys would have given me your eyes if you could. Even though, even though my condition was what would be considered a hindrance or a nuisance maybe, you guys didn't despise me, but you took me in. And, and really what he's saying here is you, you guys would have given me everything. You guys would have given me your life if you could. So, so how have things changed? What Paul was to the Galatians, I, I thought about this. Why? Why was Paul so important to the Galatians? Why did they receive him in the first place? They received him because he brought life-changing news of salvation. Robbie Galilee says this. The gospel came to you because it was heading to someone else. Think about that. Everybody in this room, the gospel came to you because it was heading to someone else. Paul was that someone that was going to bring the gospel to these Galatians. It changed their life. So think about that this morning. Who has been there for you? Who from the church has been like Paul to you? And think of those people. And let me ask you this. When was the time you were that person for someone else? Because we're made to need each other. We're made to need somebody like Paul who's going to come in and be there for us and give us the truth when we need it. And we're also called to be that for someone else. But if you couldn't think of something just now, let me ask you this. Have you allowed someone to be that person for you? This is America in 2021. We like to keep our distance, right? In more ways than one. Have you allowed someone to be there for you? Have you allowed somebody really to get up in your grill spiritually and ask you how things are going? Or do you, when you get around people, you, you put on the face or you, you keep your distance because you feel like other people, maybe, they, maybe that's not their business. Maybe they don't have the right to be involved in your life that way. Have you allowed people to be that? Because that's what God calls the church to be. And that's going to lead us to our last action step here. And probably the most difficult out of this entire passage. But we need to receive God's word even when it hurts. We need to receive God's word even when it hurts. Paul closes this passage here, this section, in these last few verses. He says, So have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? They eagerly seek you, not in a commendable way, but they want to shut you out so that you will seek them. But it is good always to be eagerly sought in a commendable way, and not only when I'm present with you, my children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you, but I could wish to be present with you now, tone of voice, for I am at a loss about you. So Paul, 
he kind of changes his tone here. You see a change. He kind of came down harshly on the Galatians, and now he's, now he's trying to be, I think, a little more sympathetic to where the Galatians are. He's recalling this time that they had together, and he wants them to know the reason of his rebuke. He's come down harshly on them, and he wants them to know it's because he cares. Ultimately, it's because he cares. This is what Proverbs says here. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. This is what this means. A true friend is going to give you the truth, even when it hurts, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it risks losing your friendship because they care about you. That's what a true friend, according to Proverbs, is going to do. And it says an enemy is going to tell you what you want to hear. An enemy is going to stay by silently and allow you to stay on the path that you're on instead of doing something about it, instead of jumping in the way, instead of getting you off of it. It's awkward to have these conversations. We know that. If you've ever had to have them, it's awkward to have the truth. It's awkward to say, hey, this is dangerous. That person might not like you. I mean, look what happened to Paul here. The Galatians are rejecting him because of his rebuke. They, he says, have I now become your enemy? Maybe some of you have felt that way before. Somebody doesn't like you because you gave them the truth. But it's better to be a true friend and give the truth than it is to be an enemy and leave your friend in danger. So Paul, he's speaking harshly, not because he's being mean, but because he wants their attention, because he cares. I can guarantee you this. If we had a student from Kids Life that ran out of these doors and they ran straight to Peters Creek Road, none of us in this room are going to stand there and watch that student go to the street. None of us are even going to stand there and say, hey, can you just come back? Hello, can you come back? We're not going to do that. We're going to be screaming. We're going to say, I'm not going to scream. I thought about it, but I'll spare you guys that this morning. We're going to be screaming at this student and say, hey, come back. We're going to run. We're not even going to do that. We're going to run. We're going to grab them. We're going to pick them up and bring them back over here to North Campus where they belong. And we're not yelling because we're mad at the kid. We're not yelling because we're being mean. We're not yelling because we're trying to be harsh. We're yelling so we can be heard. We're yelling so we can get their attention and because it's urgent. And in that instance of urgency, we've got to be loud enough to get the attention. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's getting the attention of the Galatians because he cares. In 2021, we don't like to listen to other people. We have what's called, I'm sure you've heard, cancel culture. Okay? We cancel people that we don't like. But if you're a Christian and you've put your faith in Christ this morning, we are not called to write other people off. How can you reach someone if you cancel them? How can you impact them if you cancel them? But on the flip side of that, how can you listen to somebody? What if, what if they have something to say to you? What if there's something you need to hear, you don't like it, so we're just going to write you off? That's not how the scripture works. We have to be humble enough to take the hard love and the advice of someone else. And on first reaction, we might not like it. I don't like when I'm wrong. I really don't. I don't like it. I don't like when I'm told that I didn't do something well. Most of you probably don't either. But I need to hear those things. 
I need to hear like Matt, like you didn't do very well in this so that I can learn and do better and move on. And the goal of rebuke here is not so that we can be better people. It's not so that we could try and work our way into God's favor. It's, it's to be more Christ-like. It's to be more like Christ. Rebuke is always best done in the context of community. You ever thought about that? We need community. And rebuke best occurs in the context of community. So Paul is writing to be this community. Here's what the New American Commentary on Galatians says. It says, Paul was frustrated and exasperated with the Galatians, and the tone of rebuke comes through loud and clear. At the same time, his love and affection for them was as strong as ever. Three times in this passage, he called them brothers and once my dear children. Paul had a right to speak so harshly to them because of his great love for them. His whole purpose was to win them back from the brink of apostasy. To the end, he wrote not as an armchair theologian discussing uh, abstruse, abstruse points of philosophy, but rather as an evangelist with a pastor's heart whose overriding concern is to protect his sheep from an imminent danger. FCC, are we willing to be that for each other? Are we willing to be Paul for each other in this passage? And maybe more importantly in, in, in our situation this morning, are we willing to receive it? The truth doesn't lie. The truth is always right. Are we willing to humble ourselves and listen and to admit that maybe we've got a problem and hear someone out and not only hear them out but appreciate it, but appreciate the fact that someone cared enough to have such here conversations with us? Because here's the reality. Look at how Paul closes this passage here. It's positive. He says here, my children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed, I wish I could be present with you. I wish I could change my tone. I wish that he can come there and change things. That they could, they could have a, a better conversation. That they could reunite in the gospel. And that through this they could see the love that Paul has for them, but more importantly, the love that Christ has when we feel that conviction, that little feeling we get when we do something that's, that's hurtful, that bothers the Lord, that's a good thing. None of us like that feeling, but it's God's way of saying, hey, this is not, this is not what I have for you. It's God's way of saying, hey, I'm not done with you, so come back to where you belong. And here is where it all comes together. If you're a believer this morning, in order to be a Christian, you have to admit the hard truth that you've got a problem, that I've got a problem. In order for me to put my faith in Christ, I have to know my need for him. I have to know that I can't save myself like Kevin talked about a few weeks ago. I have to come to that reality and surrender and say, hey, I can't do it. I'm wrong. Jesus, I need you. So our very salvation, our very salvation incorporates Taking that step to say, hey, I'm, I'm at fault here. I, I need something else. I need the gospel. So if we can do that in our relationship with Christ and turn, we can do that when God sends someone else in our life to give us what we need to hear. The gospel is the truth that we need to hear. And everything else hinges on the gospel. So let me ask you this.
What do you need to hear this morning? What do you need to hear this morning? Does God have your attention this morning? Because he speaks to us through his word. And through this word, through this passage, he's calling those that he loves to leave the stuff they go back to and live in, live in the freedom, live in the hope of redemption. So what do you need to hear this morning? The Bible says the Lord disciplines those that he loves. This morning, maybe, maybe we've had some hard lessons. Maybe after this, you've got to go home and think about some things. Remember, it's because of the Lord's grace. It's because he's not done with you that he calls us to repent, that he calls us back to the faith that he's given us. We're going to close this morning by focusing on this very reality. I'm going to ask the band to come up here one last time. As we worship together this morning, think about the power that Jesus has. Think about the love that he has, that God loved you so much that he would send his son to die for you and resurrect and give you the hope that we never could have had apart from him. Believe that this morning. Believe the truth. Consider the truth. Admit the truth. Trust the truth this morning. Man, wasn't that such a good and timely word from Matt? Man, I'm so thankful that God's word transcends all time, all culture, and it speaks to us today. So what was your one takeaway? Was it maybe that rebuke is best in community? Was it maybe that you need to speak to someone and love and love them instead of coming from a place of of legalism? Well, here's mine as, as Matt was expounding on verse 11. We don't labor in vain. Paul didn't labor in vain over people. There are people that have been praying for that the gospel is still able to save them, is still able to do work in their life. Well, I hope that you enjoyed listening to to Loving Hard today. Uh, My next message is actually going to be this upcoming Sunday, March 21st, 2021. That's next week. And you'll automatically get this if you subscribe uh, without having to worry about it. And uh, so go ahead and hit that subscribe and follow button. We would appreciate it. And feel free to leave us a rating and review on whatever platform that you listen to your podcast. And we hope to see you soon here at Fellowship Community Church.